Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Mysteries and Mimosas. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Kelsey Smith. But before you listen, I encourage you to head over to mysteriesandmimosas.net, navigate to our Episodes tab, and find Kelsey's episode. Inside that website, you're going to find pictures, exclusive content that you can follow along to as you listen. And one more thing, this is actually going to be a two-part episode, so make sure you tune in next week for the second half, which is going to be an exclusive interview with Kelsey's parents, Greg and Missy. And I want to ask you a question. What's better than drinking a mimosa? Drinking a mimosa out of a Christmas tree-shaped glass. Exactly, and you can find those at dragonglassware.com. Enter the promo code Mysteries and Mimosas podcast at checkout to receive a generous 10% discount. Welcome to Mysteries and Mimosas. My name is Max Sterling, and I am here with my beautiful wife and your co-host, Arya Sterling. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hey, so today's case is from June 2nd, 2007. But before we get into it, I like to take our listeners back to 2007 by asking a few trivia questions of Arya. Okay. Question number one, are you ready? I'm ready. Which Major League Baseball team won the World Series in 2007? Ooh, the Yankees? Ooh, no. I'll give you a clue. Okay. It was not your Atlanta Braves. Yeah, I knew that. And it was not the Colorado Rockies. Oh, well, I could have guessed that as well. They don't usually do that well, so. Okay. One more guess? Um, let me think. 2007. The Red Sox. Wow. Did was you it? really know that? No, it was no, a good guess, guess, though. That's a good guess. a good guess. It was the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> They beat the Colorado Rockies in the World Series. That was oh, the, the Colorado Rockies were yeah, actually in the World Series. It was their oh. only appearance. Um, and as a matter of fact, they did a four-game sweep. Oh wow! So they have officially kept the Colorado Rockies from winning any World Series game oh, ever. Wow. Yep. Wow. Um, okay. Question number two. I'm looking for the Billboard top single from 2007. Now I know it's going to be a difficult year uh, for you because you're an old soul. So I'll just uh, give you a point if you're able to guess anything in the top 10 from 2007. Is this like any genre like specific? No, Billboard. Just... Billboard top, oh, so... you know, 100. Okay. But give me, give me one song out of the top Ooh. 10. From 2007? <clears throat> Hold on. Hmm. Let me think here for a second. Umbrella. Wow, yep, Rhiannon. I remember that, yeah. That was number two, Rhiannon Umbrella. Okay, so. I just tried to think back where I was in 2007. I remember that song was really played a lot. So this is the top one song. Oh, yes, of course. Irreplaceable. Yes. Bye. Beyonce? Oh, yeah, yeah. good job. You care to guess another one in the top ten? Oh. Think. Um, in 2007. It's enough of that. Tears, teardrops on my guitar by Taylor Swift, or is that nope. too? No, nope, that's not on here. I don't know when that came out. I don't either. Um, all right, moving on. Question number three. Wait, can you give me one more? On give the you one more? Yeah. Um, well, we have Gwen Stefani and Akon, The Sweet Escape, oh, Fergie, yeah. Big Girls Don't Cry, 
and you could look it up if you're interested from there. But that's oh, the wow. top, top four. All right. Um, number three. Question number three. You ready? I'm ready. Which Pixar movie was released in 2007? Hmm. 2007. A Bug's Life? Um, good guess. No, Ratatouille. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, okay. So, um, all right. Moving on from that. Today we're going to highlight a mimosa for Kelsey Smith. Um, today we chose a blueberry mimosa, which is essentially just champagne, of course, and blueberry juice garnished with blueberries with a little bit of blueberry Red Bull. How do you like it? It's pretty good. It's not sweet at all. It's yeah, a it's a little bit tarty. Tart. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So where are we at? We want to talk about Kelsey Smith today. All right, so I, I really want to start this one with talking about a presentation that I saw on this because I didn't know about this case before I saw this presentation. And um, it was at a training that I was at. And um, just to kind of set the scene, it was um, in front of well over 100, maybe even 200 people um, inside this really big auditorium. And it was, it was super dimly lit. And up at the front of the room was this PowerPoint presentation on this big giant screen. Um, above a stage and then kind of off to the left was a podium with two speakers um husband and wife um couple and so on on the screen was this picture of a younger police officer holding a little girl and the presenter started out by saying hey this is a picture of me when i graduated the academy and this is my this is my daughter and then he goes on to say today we're going to talk about kelsey smith and you know her case and he goes on to say, you know, basically that on June 2nd of 2007, Kelsey Smith was kidnapped, sexually assaulted, and murdered, strangled to death. Um, he said, however, you know, I'm not the detective that was assigned to that case. In fact, he said, I couldn't have been the detective assigned to that case because Kelsey was my daughter. And then he says the picture of him in the academy holding a little girl, that was him and Kelsey back when he graduated the academy. Wow. That's powerful. It's like a gut punch. Yeah. Right? You're not expecting that. No, I wasn't expecting yeah. that at all. Actually, I, I mean, when he got up there, I actually expected him to be the detective giving right. a, you know, a case review. Of that's this. generally what you see at those types of trainings. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot to take in, but a very powerful introduction to the case, I guess. Yeah, it was a powerful introduction to the case. And I you know, looked around the room, and I can see everybody was fighting back tears, and it was just completely silent. In fact, I was fighting back my own tears. I could feel my emotions getting the better of me because it's not what I expected at all. It became super real at that moment because I knew that the presentation on Kelsey was going to be given to us by her parents. And so, you know, just to kind of let you know, um, usually we start these things by talking about how, you know, a little bit about the victim and how they were, you know, how they were remembered and everything by family and friends, but... Instead of doing that this time, I'm actually going to let uh, Greg and Missy, that's Kelsey's parents, that's who did the presentation, I'm going to let them take over when we do a phone interview, and they're going to tell us what Kelsey was like. Um, you know, what better way, I think, than capturing what the you know case victim is about than talking to the people who loved her the most? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, Greg and Missy are going to be the experts on this case and, and know the ins and outs um, more than any research we could look up. So I'm really happy that 
they accepted our invitation to do this interview with us. And uh, I, I think we're fortunate to be able to speak with them. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, just to let you know, um, Greg and Missy are super awesome people. Greg is a very powerful speaker. He doesn't miss any details. And Missy, if I had to describe her in one word, um, it would be Henri. She's, she's really, really bold and very forthright. And during their presentation, she did not hesitate to keep Greg in check, which I thought was hysterical. You could tell they have a very good bond and they've been together for quite some time. In fact, sometimes when Greg would start talking over uh, Missy's presentation, like the portion she's supposed to talk about, she didn't hesitate. She would jump up and say, hey, get off the mic. This is me. Uh, This is my section. And she didn't have any hesitation in checking him. So hopefully she doesn't hurt me whenever we meet her in person for calling her Henri, but um, their relationship reminds us a lot of, or reminds me a lot of our relationship. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. It sounds just like you and I, because I would totally be like, Max, stop talking. It's, it's my turn. Yeah, yeah I would definitely. <laughs> yeah, no, th- no, she's, no, seriously. Sounds they're, they're, very similar. Yep. And so with, you know, with everything, I just kind of want to get into it. So um, I want to start on June 2nd of 2007. That's the day that Kelsey was kidnapped. Um, but before we get too far into it, I do want to mention that I hadn't heard of Kelsey's case, and I said that before, but um, I hadn't heard about this, but I did know about it, and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now, but it, it'll it'll become crystal clear a little bit later. The really sad thing about this case, Kelsey was kidnapped just nine days after she graduated from uh, Shawnee Mission West High School in Overland Park, Kansas. Yeah, that's so sad. She was just starting out in life, right? and somebody cut that short. Exactly. That's devastating. Oh, yeah. At any time you know, something like this happens, of course it's devastating, but when you add that on top of it, you know, she's just so excited, right? To start her future. She graduated high school. It's, yeah, she's, it's exciting. And then some monster just comes and decides that they can just cut it short. It's, right. Yeah. yeah. Super selfish. It's unbelievable. So Overland Park, Kansas is a big city. In fact, it's the second biggest city in Kansas next to Wichita. It's a highly populated city with tons of activities such as shopping, parks, trails, live music. They even have a 300-acre botanical garden. I've never been there. Have you been there? Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. me either. So on June 2nd, Kelsey drove to a nearby Target store where she was going to buy an anniversary gift for her boyfriend to celebrate six months together. Oh, six months. Yeah. When you're just graduating high school, that's a big deal, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, especially when you're that young, Yeah, for sure. Um, So the Target store that Kelsey went to is right across the street from Oak Park Mall, and it sits just to the south of the mall, and the entrance faces to the east. Target is almost dead center in the middle of three major highways, Interstate 435 to the south, Interstate 35 to the west, and Highway 69 to the east. These highways kind of form a triangle around Oak Park, and they're very close to Target where Kelsey was abducted. Did you uh, upload a... Yeah. Like a map of that mm-hmm. to the website? Okay. Yep, it's on there. Um, at about 7 p.m., Kelsey's at Target. She calls Missy because she couldn't find uh, what she was looking for inside of Target. Missy told her where to find what she was looking for and hung up, not knowing it was the last time that she was ever going to talk to her daughter. Hmm. Because Kelsey had plans to meet her boyfriend that evening, a missing person report was made as soon as Kelsey didn't show up. In fact, nobody could get a hold of Kelsey, which was very unusual. 
um, because Greg and Missy implement um, or implemented a very strict rule in their house with their children to never be late and to always let them know when they're on their way home. They, it sounds like they're always, you know, texting mom and dad, like, Hey, I'm leaving. I'm on my way. Like they're, they're pretty close family to where they keep in constant communication. And that's, you know, that's important. Anytime you have kids, even, even though she was, she graduated high school, she's probably 18 and an adult. Um, it's just, always nice to know where everybody's at. Right. And, you know, there's been several TV shows and different uh, episodes on this. One of them is Text Me When You Get Home. That's the name of it. So it it really, I I haven't watched it, but um, Greg and Missy both recommend to people to see that one. Do you know what platform it's on? I don't. Oh, okay. I don't know anything about it, but we can figure that out and maybe link it or something. Yeah. Um, So because she, you know, this behavior was unusual and they couldn't get a hold of, of uh, Kelsey, Greg and Missy immediately filed a missing person report and began working with law enforcement to search for Kelsey. Within several hours, her car was found across the street in the Macy's parking lot, which is attached to the mall. Inside Kelsey's car, police found Kelsey's purse, her wallet, and the items she purchased earlier at Target. Investigators uh, processed the car looking for DNA evidence and they dusted it for fingerprints. And so this this case kind of, you know, was pretty high profile in the media from the get go. So because it had the attention of several local and national news agencies, a lot of people came out and started searching for Kelsey. And with that, within I mean, within hours of her disappearance, her friends were out there making posters and just really having this big, huge outpouring of support, you know, with the flyers and doing, you know, searches. When police turned their uh, attention to the surveillance videos at a uh, Target. Now, real quick, I, I do have to say, um, I've seen a lot of the corporate surveillance videos, like through Walmart, Home Depot and things. I mean, they have phenomenal technology. Target? All of them. All of them. All, yeah, all I, know, I can tell you Walmart has an, an amazing surveillance system. Like, it's so clear. Like, way out in the parking lot. Like, it's crystal clear. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's a secret or anything, but I don't, and I don't want to give too much away about Home Depot, but they have one of the most advanced surveillance systems in yeah. the industry. They have facial recognition, and each of their stores talk to each other. So, if you want to commit a crime inside Home Depot, they're going to know if you're going into another one. Yeah. They know before you even get it. It's crazy. Wow. So anyway, so they turned their their focus to the target surveillance video, and what they saw was a white male following Kelsey around the store. The the white male, and we have a picture of this on the website, um, and but he was wearing white shirt, a white shirt, and black shorts. His hair was cut short, and he had a small patch of hair on his chin. It's like one of those like not really a, a long goatee, but just like stubble, almost like. I mean, more than a five o'clock shadow, but it's not like a long goatee, but that's what I would call it, like sh- cut, cut short. Okay. Um, so the, the the creepy thing about this is this guy was following Kelsey around the store in such a manner that she had no idea she he was following her. She never even knew. Everywhere she was on the surveillance video, he was there, but he was, you know, two, three steps behind her. So like almost almost like a predator stalking prey. Ugh. Yeah, he he definitely was creepy. Um, so yeah, and, and I don't, I'm guessing she didn't notice him at all during that. Maybe, you know, she'd have been more aware, um, when she actually got kidnapped. So anyway, when Kelsey left the store, he had already left. Um, she went to the checkout and she's checking out and everything. And he had already left the store. And, um, if, if memory serves me correctly, he moved his truck over 
to wherever her car was. So, so do you think he saw her actually pull in and knew wh- what car she was in? That's what, I mean, based on the presentation mm-hmm. and what I remember and everything. Yeah, that's what I think. I uh, think he was, you know, following her even before going into Target. That's what I think. But I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely ask uh, Greg and Missy. Okay. So um, initially, when you see, you know, when she leaves Target and goes to her car, um, Greg played this time and time again inside in the presentation and, and it just looks like Kelsey getting into her car and leaving and you don't see anything. And apparently the investigators missed it several times too. But when he slowed it down, you could see like this small, I mean, ever so slight flash from the left of the screen to the right. And when, and when you slow it down and you're paying attention, you're like, okay, that's what that is. And that was, you know, Kelsey's killer getting into her car with her. Wow. So it so the surveillance video like didn't pick up him getting out of his own truck and then Um I think it came from off camera. Oh, okay. From the angle that I saw. Okay. I mean, you know, that there's I'll, I mean the the purpose of me telling you that is, you know, if detectives weren't really paying attention um to that surveillance, you know, if they didn't slow it down, I mean it's easy to miss. Yeah. A, an entire auditorium filled with hundreds of people missed it. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't until Greg was, you know, pointing it out that we were able to say, oh, okay, there it is. One of the most important things about Kelsey's case is the cell phone ping. That is what makes Greg and Missy such remarkable people. Greg and Missy have dedicated their lives to change the course of law enforcement and the way they receive cell phone location information. So what does that look like? Well, with no solid leads to find Kelsey, investigators attempted to get an emergency cell phone ping uh, but Verizon Wireless wouldn't provide them with the information without a court order. So hold on. Can I just stop you there for a second? Yeah. So I imagine, and I don't know if this to be true or not, I guess we would have to ask Greg and Missy, but the cell phone, I'm guessing, is the plan and everything is in Greg and Missy's name probably, and they pay for the cell phone for their kids. Right, but Kelsey's an adult. Right, but it's technically not her. I mean, she's not the one that pays for this. It's in their name, right? Probably. So I'm just, you would think that due to that, they would be able to provide that information without a court order. Oh, no, they can. They can provide it. They just didn't. That's mm-hmm. that's the interesting and, and really frustrating thing for Greg and Missy in this case. Yeah, okay. In fact, it took four days for Verizon to probably uh, finally provide that information to them. And once they did, they were able to pinpoint exactly where Kelsey's phone was. It took them four days to provide that information? Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. I didn't realize it was that long. Jeez. So, yeah, and, you know, the irritating thing is, yeah, it takes four days, but once they finally ping it, they can tell you almost exactly where it is. I mean, within a very short distance. So it makes you kind of wonder, had they just provided it right away, you know, would have things well, been different? I, I don't know. I don't know. But. So at that point, they were able to figure out that it was at Longview Lake in Grandview, Missouri, which is... You know, it's super close to where Kelsey was kidnapped from. It's right across state lines, though. Oh, isn't it? In yeah, in Missouri. State? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's about 20 miles east of Overland Park, Kansas. It's surrounded by thick trees, and it's a very popular destination for fishermen and boaters. People visit Longview Lake to enjoy picnics. They go water skiing, jet skiing. In fact, it's such a popular destination, the lake has a full-time marina. It has a golf course, campgrounds, a community center, and it's a it, pretty 
busy area and this was this happened in the summer because she had just graduated high school so that's pretty brazen to take her to such a populated, populated area. area yeah it's it's populated um and that's kind of what i thought because it seems like it's a busy you know destination but it's also surrounded by woods okay. so there, there's probably some you know places where you you know could get away with this obviously yeah. for, for a short time you did so once they got the ping information for where uh, Kelsey's cell phone was, they started to do a search of that area. And they ended up finding Kelsey's body. And when they found her body, they you know, learned that she was sexually assaulted and strangled with her own belt. There's something particularly strange about the crime scene and how Kelsey's body was found. It was covered with sticks and leaves and branches, and it appeared as though it was in the form of a pentagram. So the detectives kind of thought that maybe she was murdered as part of some kind of maybe satanic or spiritual ritual of some sort. Hmm. When police released the surveillance footage, because at this point they didn't you know, know who did it. So when they released the surveillance footage to the news, they asked for help from the community. Police began receiving tips almost immediately. Based on the tips they received from the community, the police were able to make an identification leading them to Kelsey's murderer. So during uh, Greg and Missy's presentation, they made it a point, and they make it a point in all their trainings and presentations to never use his name. He's been identified, but they don't use his name. You know, it's so important to honor Kelsey, um, and also Greg and Missy in, in such a way, I think that we continue that and and we're not going to say his name either. We'll just refer to him as Kelsey's murderer because that's who he is. Um, you know, as you know, the mission behind our show is to stay victim-centered. Um, and if we say his name, I feel like we're taking away from Kelsey. This story is about Kelsey and not her murderer. Um, it's about Kelsey's survivors, her parents, her family, and her friends. And that's exactly how we will show Greg and Missy the respect they absolutely deserve. We will, however, uh, provide that information on our website if you want to know more about him. Um, there you can find pictures of Kelsey, satellite images, surveillance photos, and then information about Kelsey's murder. Right. So when police zeroed in on Kelsey's killer, he was in the process of packing his bags with his family to leave on a family vacation. Kind of convenient, right? Right. So I, kn- I know that Greg... I don't know that I've seen this because I did research the case. I don't know if I saw it anywhere, but I remember when Greg gave the presentation, he he brought to our attention that her killer was at work and, you know, a thing came across the news, you know, asking for public's help to identify, you know, this person in the truck. And one of his coworkers is in the break room looking at the news media saying, Oh my God, isn't that your truck? And the truck's parked like right outside the oh, window. He's wow. like, isn't that your truck? So yeah, it's kind of crazy. And so that would make sense to why he runs home and he's all of a sudden packing his yeah. bags to leave it, on a family vacation. Exactly. Wow. So yeah. So anyway, they cut, they catch up to him. He's at his house packing for vacation. They brought him in for questioning. And at that time they took fingerprints. After comparing his fingerprints to fingerprints found inside Kelsey's car, I believe on a seatbelt. Um, detectives learned it was a match. So on July 23rd of 2008, Kelsey's killer pled guilty to four charges, including kidnapping, rape, sodomy, and capital murder. On September 16th of 2008, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. 
He's currently incarcerated in the Kansas Department of Corrections. Well, yeah, that's had he ever done anything like this before? Do they know? I mean, had he been in trouble before? I think, yeah, there's some criminal history stuff. I mean, he did have some kind of assaultive behavior. I don't remember exactly what that was, but he, he did have some kind of a, a history. And, um, I, you know, I'll make sure and ask Greg about this, but I remember he mentioned that he had just, right before he kidnapped Kelsey, he was at like an Applebee's, I think, and he skipped out on his bill. He just like did a dine and dash thing. Yeah. So the waitress was, you know, she knew who he was on the news and said, oh, you know, I think I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. We'll, we'll, we'll ask for oh, clarification wow. okay. on that, but there was something to do with a skipped bill at a Applebee's or, you know, like right immediately prior before. to, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And I think when police interviewed him, you know, they initially, you know, initially denied it. They always do, but they showed him video footage from target and everything. And he says, Oh, I, yeah, I remember, I remember her. I, I remember she had nice legs. Wow. Yeah. So he's kind of a creeper. Yeah. Or kind of. He actually is yeah, a pretty bad absolutely. creeper. Absolutely. Human garbage. Yes. Remember at the beginning of the episode when I said I hadn't heard about Kelsey's case, but I knew about it? Yeah. What did you mean by that? So I knew about Kelsey's case because I was familiar with the Kelsey Smith Act, but I didn't know that it was actually because of Kelsey, and I didn't know it was called the Kelsey Smith Act. And, and here's what it is. So the Kelsey Smith Act provides law enforcement with a way to quickly ascertain the location of wireless telecommunication devices if a person has been determined by law enforcement to be at risk of death or serious physical harm due to being kidnapped and or missing. What that means is if, if law enforcement, I've actually used it, where somebody's you know either suicidal or maybe been kidnapped or something, we can pretty much just have our dispatch center you know, essentially pick up the phone, get a hold of the telecommunication company, and they'll ping them immediately. That's because of this case. Do you remember when I talked about the outpouring of community support? Obviously you do. Yes. So there was, it was so massive with all these people that were searching for Kelsey that they, they called it Kelsey's Army. Aww. Yeah, so Greg and Missy turned Kelsey's Army into a nonprofit organization, relying on fundraisers and donations to travel across the United States to provide training and also testifying in front of legislation to further expand Kelsey's law. Wow, that's amazing that they've, you know, they've taken their grief and their devastation of what happened to Kelsey and they've turned it into the motivation to make sure that it doesn't ever happen to somebody else's child. And I just commend them for that because I don't know if I could react in the same way right. if something happened like that to me. I yeah. mean, that takes an amount of strength that I don't know if I have. So yeah, it does take a, a tremendous amount of strength. And I, I do remember when I talked to Greg, I asked him, what advice do you have? And I hope I'm not taken away from what they say you know, when we interview them. But I asked him, what advice do you have for people who are in your situation or a similar situation? And what he said was, don't be afraid. And actually, Missy said this too. Don't be afraid to say their name. Don't be afraid to talk about them. Yeah, I mean, that's that's hugely important. So I, I work with victims, as you know, all the time. And I think when something like this happens to somebody, people that are close to them 
almost feel like I don't know they're they don't want to bring it up because they're afraid to make that person relive that trauma and so they're careful to just never bring it up and never talk about that person and for a victim they obviously don't ever want to forget that person or who they were they want to talk about them this is somebody that was so important in their lives and that they love so much they don't want to forget who that person was and they don't want other people to forget that either so they want to talk about it and I I just I think it's it's a it's a dynamic that's kind of hard to navigate. Um, I, I mean, this is tragic. This is horrific what happened to their daughter. So think about that. You know, if you're close to them, I mean, how do you approach that? What do you say? Right. Right. It's, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is really important to remember our victims and have our family members of these crimes you know, feel comfortable being able to talk about it and talk about, you know, who they were and say their name. So I really would love to encourage everybody listening to visit uh, Kelsey'sArmy.org and make a donation so that Greg and Missy can continue to, you know, provide this training to law enforcement, speak in front of legislators and continue to get this law passed. I mean, I know that one of the big struggles is to get this passed federally and, They've been super close getting it passed federally several times and it just, it kind of fizzles out. So with your donations, you know, this is what kind of keeps this going. Actually, this is what keeps it going. So again, that website is kelseysarmy.org, all one word. Or if you'd like, you can navigate to our website, mysteriesandmimosas.net. Go to the episodes uh, tab find Kelsey's story on the episodes tab and there you'll see it's linked inside Kelsey's page. The Kelsey Smith Act has the potential to impact each and every one of us. Hopefully it never does, but if you or one of your loved ones is missing, timing is crucial for law enforcement and the Kelsey Smith Act has already worked to save countless lives. So remember to tune in next week to hear that exclusive interview with Greg and Missy, where they will talk to us more about the Kelsey Smith Act and the work that they have done and continue to do to get that act passed in all 50 states as well as at the federal level. They'll also be talking to us and answering some difficult questions about the day Kelsey went missing, um, the events leading up to that, and then the days that followed as well. Yep. Thank you for that, and I'll see everybody next. Well, I won't see you, but I'll listen to you. Actually, I won't, will I? What will I do? I'll talk to you. Yes, you will be. I will podcast to you. Yes. Perfect. Next week. Cheers. Cheers.